0: The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this story. We thank you for what this story means. We thank you for the announcement that these angels came with. Of good news of great joy may it be joy for us today in our lives in jesus name amen every christmas i can remember has included the reading of this story as a child and up until just a few years ago my family and my brothers and my parents And my grandmother gathered around my grandfather as he would read in this incredible voice that he had Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And now my dad carries on this tradition, and this Christmas we gathered around him as he read these words. I did fine with this in the first service. (laughs) This has always been a meaningful time for my family. Because it reminds us of what Christmas is. It reminds us that it's not just about the presents that are sitting over in the corner. And that it's not just that our family gets to be, to be together in those days, although that is important to us. It reminds us that the Christmas story is more, it's more than what we often talk about at Christmas time. It reminds us of the story we read this story on Christmas Eve here in all three services and it's a story that for many of you like me brings up a lot of nostalgic feelings I can hear my grandfather's voice anytime we hear the words in those days a decree went out I hear it in my head I smell my grandparents house I see my older brother and my younger brother as they looked as children. And I can't help but remember this one time when my parents had us act out the story as it was read. And yes, we have that on video, and no, I don't know you well enough to show that yet, maybe next year. But this story brings all these feelings up. And that's a good thing. But it carries with it also a weight of of caution, because when you hear something over and over and over, and when it brings with it these nostalgic, sentimental feelings, it can be easy to forget what the story itself is actually saying. And even though I've heard this story over and over every Christmas my entire life, There have been Christmases that I failed to reflect on the magnitude of the story and its place within the story, the story of God and His people. The problem with hearing a story like this over and over every year in connection with a holiday that has become a combination of sacred and secular traditions is that it can easily become just a story. It can become something we know we are supposed to be joyful about, but cease to really reflect on if it's actually bringing us real, true joy. This story is so incredible that Luke seemed to know that it would become almost like a fairy tale, that it would be told over and over. And that in the future, it's possible that people would cease to remember that it's a real story that happened. But Luke foresaw that and intentionally placed the story firmly in the context of history. Why else would he tell us about this decree that goes out specifically from Emperor Augustus? And he specifically says that it was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Why else would we care who the governor of Syria is? See, Luke wants to tell us this story that I'm about to tell you is so amazing. Don't forget it actually happened. Don't forget that this story happened in a moment of time in history. All Advent, we talked about darkness. And waiting. The people of God had long been waiting. They had long been waiting on light, and they had long been waiting on a promised Messiah who was coming to make things right. They weren't weren't waiting for a neat story about the birth of a baby, they were waiting on a Messiah king who was coming to make things right. I have another family tradition that comes from the other side of my family, my wife's family. Uh, Every year for 48 or 49 years now, it's actually a point of contention on how long they've been doing it. The family gets together to have a caroling party. And I know what you're thinking, oh, how sweet they get together, probably 10 to 12 of them. No. Let me paint you a picture of the Lynch family caroling party. We're talking 40 to 50 people, usually crammed in a place that's not built for 40 or 50 people, full-blown dinner, drinks, practicing every Christmas song you've ever heard in your entire life, both sacred and secular. And then, after all of that, going out into the usually freezing cold with lots of children and going to the neighbors and knocking on the doors and singing a couple songs. I have grown to love the caroling party, but I have to admit there's something a little bit odd about it each year. Because like many of your families, our family is a mixture of those who believe in the birth of the Son of God, in the person of Jesus, and those who do not. And yet we all go out into the streets and sing with great enthusiasm, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The purpose of the caroling party usually succeeds. To create joy believers non-believers alike we are gathering to have some joy together and to hopefully provide a spark of joy in others the strangers that we're going to to sing for in fact at the end of every house we finish by singing we wish you a Merry Christmas you all know this song okay don't leave me on my own here I want you to sing this with me are you ready we wish you a merry christmas we wish you a merry christmas we wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year good tidings we bring to you and your kin good tidings for christmas and a happy new year we say we bring you good tidings But what in the world does that mean? What do we mean when we say we bring you good tidings? Tiding is an old English word for announcement or news. And we sing, we bring you good tidings, and then we say Merry Christmas and we walk away. And to me, that is often a picture of how Christians celebrate Christmas. We hope that somehow by just saying Merry Christmas or speaking about the story a little bit, it will give us a joyful feeling. It will spark in us joy. Luke 2 tells us, a story about a strange choir that shows up unexpectedly singing the angel appears to the shepherds the angel did not presume to think that his or her or whatever appearance would immediately spark joy in the shepherds what emotion did the angels appearance spark in the shepherds fear says they were terrified. The angel had to say, don't be afraid. And then the angel said, I bring you good tidings, or I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. But then the angel didn't just say Merry Christmas and go on about its day, the angel said in verse 11 of chapter 2, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the announcement of good news, of great joy. Oftentimes we leave people at Christmas feeling like they're supposed to be joyful just because It's a season, or they're supposed to be joyful because maybe there's family that they haven't seen in a while, or they're supposed to be joyful because they've received a gift or they've given a gift, and that's supposed to be a joyful thing. But the announcement that was good news of great joy was that a Savior has come. The announcement is that you and I and the shepherds and everyone else is in need of a Savior, and indeed the Savior has arrived. Since the moment sin entered into the, fall, the creation at the fall, God's people have been struggling with the guilt and shame of their sin. We have hidden from God because we, have our, we are ashamed. On a global scale, some sort of war has been waging for most of recorded history. A New York York Times article in 2003 stated that of the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for only 268 of them, or just 8% of recorded history. I don't know how accurate that is, but you get the point. Brokenness has defined the human race. The announcement made by the angel to the shepherds is that something has begun to make things right. Something has begun in the birth of this baby to make things right in the world. It's not only amazing that the angels made this announcement, but it's also amazing who they announced it to. These shepherds. As I read through and reflected on this story this year at Christmas, one of the things that struck me as odd is, why these shepherds? Like I get Joseph, and I get Mary, and their lineage, and I get a lot of the characters of this story. But why these shepherds? Because I've heard this story my whole life, it never really struck me as odd that these these shepherds are told about the birth of Jesus. It gets even weirder, though, when you learn about shepherds in this day. Because of this region, it's likely that the flocks they were responsible for were sacrificial sheep for the temple in Jerusalem. That whole region, that's what the sheep were there for and it was their job to care for them. But shepherds in general were not people of good reputation. They had a reputation for being thieves. Their duties with the sheep often kept them from observing the Jewish ceremonial law at all. And that was a big deal back then. They were considered so unreliable that they were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Yet they are the ones God chose to make this announcement to. They are the ones God trusted with this good news of great joy. From the moment it arrived, the good news of great joy has always been an announcement meant to bring hope and joy to those who were without hope and without joy. It is not just the happiest time of the year because there are parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting or caroling out in the snow. It's a season of experiencing the joy of the shepherds who heard that the long-awaited Messiah had now come that they were no longer alone in their darkness. God had not abandoned his people. But he had joined them in the midst of their suffering. This is still an announcement of good news of great joy. The news was so good that the angels had to tell somebody and they told the shepherds. The news was so good to the shepherds that they had to go and see it for themselves. When we got there, the news was so good they had to tell those who were there. This news is so good that we, when we experience it in our own lives, we can't help but go and tell others. The joy we receive at Christmas is not just a sentimental story; it's a turning point in history. It's a turning point in the history of Israel who was waiting for their Messiah, and now He has come. And the joy that you can receive at Christmas and I can receive at Christmas is this announcement that the Messiah has come and has been born can be a turning point in our lives. It can change the course of your life the way it changed the course of history. This is still an announcement of good news, of great joy. It's such a good news, such a good announcement, that we can't help but go and tell it on the mountain or wherever it is that you're going, that Jesus Christ is born. The Savior has come. We're going to sing in just a moment. Go tell it on the mountain. I'm going to invite um, Bob and Dee Dee and Mike to come up and lead us in this, in this singing. And uh, we're going to sing it with great joy. Right? Let's stand together. And would you pray with me as we go into this singing about this good news of great joy that we have to tell others about. God, we thank you for this story and its place within these story, your story. We thank you for the way that it can change lives. God, we pray that we will receive this good news of great joy in our life today. In Jesus' name, amen.